0: Thanks again for downloading another alumni podcast. Today we're talking with Aaron Yeek, who is the founder and director of AOI Sports Consulting. Aaron, how are we?
1: Very good, Josh. It's great to be here.
0: No, Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Really keen to, I guess, uh, explore your career journey after UWA. I mean, even in, as your time as a student, you got up to a, f- a fair bit post uni you've gotten even up to more really love to hear about your career
1: yeah i guess uh it's been been a roller coaster been an amazing roller coaster i guess i spent a great deal of that in motorsports was very fortunate and, and that really kicked off here at uwa i spent uh an godly amount of time in the the uwa motorsport engineering labs and staring at those little yellow cars and that you know paid off dividends i think at the time i didn't really realize what it was setting me up for but uh following uwa i managed to sneak myself into a bit of a career track side so that took me all around the world sort of formula one races and world rally championships and the v8 so you know my, my office was track side so I consider myself very lucky and then um took a took a bit of a turn and decided to go corporate world went went into management consulting so another fantastic opportunity in terms of learning and diversity and I was doing that over in Melbourne and had the opportunity to travel and work with different clients so that that was amazing and then I, I guess uh, another turn and and I uh, got interested in the startup world and and I guess. Being, you know, the the director of my own sort of uh, destiny, I guess, and uh, venture out into to do my own business and yeah, startup, so Yeah, there's
0: a few things I'm definitely going to come back to, especially the the Formula One. I think everyone's going to be very interested to hear about how that all transpired. But you talked about your time in the <laughs> the Motorsport Workshop. You've even, you know, you talked about how you had your 21st at the tavern. You're involved <laughs> in Prosh, involved in Uni Games. I mean, how did your student experience impact on your career today?
1: Yeah, I I think going to UWA, I I remember one of the first things at orientation was, I think the then vice chancellor said, if the only thing you walk away with is a bit of paper, you you haven't really grabbed the full experience. And I remember hearing that and not really thinking too much of it. But on reflection, I think getting involved in so many different activities gave me a lot of different skills, definitely gave me a lot of different friends, I guess, outside of the courses I was studying. So, you know, I, I was doing engineering and commerce, but... Getting involved in a lot of sport, a lot of um, extracurricular type activities, all the clubs, UEC, Prish, all those sorts of things. You meet, you know, you meet people on the other side of James Over. You meet people across Oak Lawn. Uh, you bump into people at the Tav, and you know. Fast forward now, and some of my, you know, professional network, uh, and definitely my social circles are, are those friends, um, and you you don't really think too much of it at the time I guess but yeah it's amazing some of those friendships are you know sort of 15 years long so yeah it's great. Briefly
0: you've spent some time with UWA Sport and I guess you've seen how I guess the student culture here is today. Do you think the culture has shifted at all? Do you think people are not getting involved as much or they're getting involved even more because they realize the impact of being involved in these clubs and societies can actually help with their career?
1: Yeah I think probably more. I guess the on-campus mode is... It's almost a fading thing nowadays. There's so many options in terms of study. There's online. There's remote. There's all. There's all kinds of things. So I think that's something that U, UWA does really well is builds that community feel. So, and you definitely feel that around the sports center and and I guess walking around campus. There's that that sense of camaraderie and um, a sense of uh, like home. I guess for for me, it definitely was a second home. It was it was a long way for me to commute. So it was sort of a forty five minute drive. So I used to essentially live out of my car. Uh, And UWA was just a a fun place to be around. So I think now, um, you know, with with more technology and things, I think it just helps to drive that sense of of community and place, yeah.
0: Now, community is such a big thing for UWA and one of the parts of being involved in the community is for people to to give back. You're currently giving back with the United Nations Young Professionals. In your buy, you talk about you wanting to pay it forward. I mean, how much of an impact have people had on your career that you're like wow if i didn't get that experience i didn't get that advice i don't know where i would be today and why do you choose to be involved because it's very easy for people to say oh i don't have time i mean time is valuable to all of us but you're always giving up your time saying yes to most things
1: yeah i think uh, when i look back at you know the journey i've had professionally and through life to my time you know were so many people willing just to pause you know, lend lend their advice. Uh, just give me an opportunity. So I think even just working on campus. I during my degree, I worked at, at the sports center, I worked at UWA Sport, and just having that initial opportunity, I think, to get some professional experience, get broad experience, that really set me up for my career. I think back, you know, over the journey, there was there was individuals who were willing just to stop and you know give their words of advice. A lot a lot of alumni who would um, come back through the UWA Motorsport Lab. Uh, a lot of alumni who would come back and give presentations about where they've got to and, and I remember you know some some of the people who had gone ahead of me in terms of their career and had made great leaps and bounds and just very little small bits of advice to sets you up so you know I feel it's I, I had that opportunity so it's on me to sort of pay that pay that forward I guess and, and you know hopefully help someone else on their own journey.
0: So. You're the founder and director of Ay Sports Consulting. I guess the Ay stands for Aaron Yeats. For yeah. anyone those that don't, that might be asking the question, why did, you, how and why did you set it up, and have you ever questioned your career choice to being involved in the sport industry?
1: Yeah, it's it's sport is something I kind of uh, never really set out directly to say I'm going to be involved in sports. Sport for me was always just there. So I, going through UWA, I, I was a swim coach, and it's to spend about half an hour one direction getting down to the pool and one day i basically said I'm, I'm sick of driving so far to leave campus to come back and smell like chlorine all day so that's how i launched into my career at university sport and that took me through six years there into a graduate role and and that's essentially how i ended up in sport i got to the end of my engineering degree and said this sport thing is pretty good i might i might stick with it i did my work experience up at um port headland on a bhp site and kind of worked out this this is good but it's, you know it's not really my thing yeah uh, and so yeah i, I kind of stuck with it and I got, I guess I got through all the years of experience in sport, I got to a point where I thought, I I think we could be doing uh, the business of sport a little bit better. Uh, And I went off and started doing my MBA. I started doing doing my MBA here at UWA, did a few trimesters here and then life sort of took me across the Nullarbor to Melbourne. So I continued over there and I was, you know, just connecting with people over there in the industry and and they tended to agree. They said that um, sport is amazing as a, you know, as a vehicle for, you know, passion and, and Part of Australian society, but there's a lot we could be learning in terms of mm. business acumen. So that you know, hence Ay Sports was born, and it it took all of about three seconds to come up with a name. I was chatting with um, <laughs> Joel Bowden, um, the footy footy guy, and he said to me, why, "Why don't you just call it Ay Sports?" And that night, I sent a message and said, "I've I've got no better name, mate. We'll go with that one." <laughs> so I registered it <laughs> that night, and off we went. So uh yeah it's been great i guess to see both sides of the industry i guess more the community grassroots side and then more the the you know the top end pointy end as well so
0: so do you think we're going in the right trajectory with uh when it comes to sport or do you think we've still got a lot to learn i mean we look at the afl they're continually expanding and you know all the money that's being pumped in through the tv rights just all over the world everyone sees that on the big bright lights but there's so much stuff that takes place in the community Absolutely. environment where you know you got your local clubs are really struggling with volunteers trying to pay the bills I mean there's such a big gap between amateur and professionalism in Australia still
1: yeah I, I think it's important to strike a balance and I think uh I think in Australia we actually do a pretty good job of it and I think the reason we do a good job of it is there's there's people like you and I always questioning it so always putting the pressure back on and you know, the AFL gets seen as a leading light in terms of professionalism and the way they go about it, but I think what doesn't get spoken a lot about and to their credit is they the AFL does a lot at grassroots as well. Mm. They pump a lot back into the sport and ensure that the community is there and the grassroots are there and I guess one of the things that keeps drawing me back to sport is the the ability for it to make mass change. Yeah. So, you know, it, you know, every four years as you know, as an entire global population, we stop and watch the Olympics and, you know, it's it's an amazing uh, way to bring, you know, entire nations together. Uh, and if if you look back at why the Olympics was originally found and what they're trying to drive to, um, you know, there's a lot of alignment with my own values of, as mm. far as equality and just having, you know, a fair go, essentially. So I think as long as we maintain that but still grow that, you know, that front pointy edge, I think it's important to have both sides So yeah.
0: Now, I'm really interested to hear about this program that you're involved in with, with Cam's Ignition. So... You're the project manager for the youth safety program aimed at delivery safety education to pre-learners in not only Australia, but South Korea and Sri Lanka. Yeah, What were your goals when developing this program and how did it come about?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty simple goal, actually. It was just reduce the road toll. Uh, and uh, where it stemmed from was the United Nations uh, in conjunction with a lot of other world agencies, so World Health Organization, uh, the FIA, so a lot of massive global bodies got together and said we're essentially going to have a decade of action uh, on, on the roads. Mm. So that's around road education, infrastructure, all sorts of things. So Australia, we signed up as part of that. And uh, where I was working at the time cams, we signed up to be part of it. And the way we thought we could contribute was, you know, be on the ground, deliver, deliver programs to, to kids and pre-learners. And it's quite a controversial space, I guess, because there's a lot of people with opinion around how drive education should mm. happen and that sort of thing. So uh i guess it was really encouraging because we had top tier formula one drivers by straight into it so it, it actually wasn't hard to get a formula one driver to turn up to our programs and meet the kids and sort of give them their advice as far as were you shocked b- shocked
0: by that i mean formula one drivers i mean they're some of the most famous faces on the planet <laughs> like
1: yep come teach education to pre-learners, I mean. I guess on reflection, it's surreal. I guess when you're in it at the time, it's just, uh, it's part of your day to day. So so who
0: are some of the drivers that you got involved? I remember
1: Felipe Massa was always big with his time and Jensen Button was always very giving. Uh, Yeah, so it's always the same characters. You know, Daniel Ricciardo is always very giving of his time. And and ironically, those are the guys that drive the safest on the road because they they get all their adrenaline rush on the track. So. Um, I remember speaking to Dan earlier in his career, and I said, "What do you drive?" And he said, I, "I drive a Punto, mate. It doesn't go more than eighty k's an hour, <laughs> so I don't, I don't have to worry about speeding tickets." <laughs> so it's fair enough when you drive three hundred k's an hour for your day job. So, so is that <laughs>
0: is that program what helped lead you into being involved with F one?
1: It was yeah. I guess it was a mix. So I I was fortunate in that I started my sport career like like a lot of us in, in sort of the development side of sport the clubs and all that sort of stuff and it just kind of led one thing to another cams was highly involved in the delivery of the australian grand prix yeah uh and i was fortunate i managed to get roles involved in sort of operations logistics so essentially everything that gets to the track and moves around the track that isn't a race car so all your sort of your your safety gear uh moving marshals moving moving food around a racetrack (laughs) moving water uh it's, it's one big logistical exercise and it's, it's quite impressive the way I call it the circus, the way the circus sort of rolls in and rolls out. So yeah and then that kind of just led to um, you know, the Korean opportunity yeah. and then opportunities with cam's ignition and moving into some of these other other countries I guess that were looking to learn from Australia's mm-hmm. you know, wealth of knowledge.
0: It's interesting you talk about the logistics side of the F1 because no one ever gets to see the behind the scenes stuff. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of students that are interested in being involved in the sport industry, I know when I studied Bachelor of Sports Management, you know, you want to work for the big organisations or the big professional teams and you think it's this real big, sexy industry. But really, it's not even
1: close, <laughs> is it? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of grunt work that goes behind <laughs> yeah. the, the few days. You know, it's sort of, you think about, yeah, Grand Prix would run anything three to four days and they, they're planning it a year out uh, and I used to joke with my friends when they asked me you know how was the race and I said I haven't watched a race in six years <laughs> <laughs> by the time the race starts I'm so tired I just want to sleep and then when the flag goes down I'm back out trackside again trying to pack the thing down as quick as we can so yeah you're right there's a lot that goes behind the scenes and it's funny because you know I think back to <laughs> second, third year of, of uh, the motorsport team here at UWA, and when you when you first joined the team at the time, one of the one of the jobs you get you don't get the sexy design jobs as a second year you get all right you got to go pack the crate, pack the trailer to take <laughs> it take it down to the sponsor event, and you sit there thinking. I did not sign up to pack a crate, and then you know you fast forward all these years later, and you're trying to work out well how do I move these fifteen crates off the off the pit lane? It's the same. (laughs) It's the same issue, just multiplied by fifteen. So. yeah.
0: Now, one thing you're currently doing as well as writing a book, love to hear more. Yeah, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, so I guess uh, the one thing I always get asked about is just how, how did I make my various career transitions? What was it like returning back to study after all those years? And uh, whenever I would give my response, people would say, you should write a book. And I always kind of you know, said, no, nah, that's, that's not really my thing. And, and I don't know what happened. I was probably, ironically, probably listening to a lot of podcasts and uh, reading uh, books recently. That made me curious about the process of writing books. So I thought, well, you know, why don't I just write a book? So I, I started writing. <laughs> Uh, and the logical topic was yeah careers and and study and things like that. So I just I put pens of paper and it it sort of just kept morphing. It turned into a series of articles and that good got a good response. I thought well, this is working. I'll stick with it and um, yeah got got through and, and published it sort of towards the end of last year or mid middle of last year and did the book launch over in Melbourne and got a got a warm reception and and now it's it spins me out because I'm getting you know, messages from the other side of the world from just complete strangers saying they enjoyed it and it felt, you know, quite conversational. So which was my goal.
0: What's that like getting feedback from people all over the world? I mean we we're, we're in this small little bubble here in Perth. That must have blown your mind.
1: Yeah, it's a strange feeling. I remember it's it's um <laughs> it's a little bit like the sport of that actually. It, it it looks sexy in the front and then at the back and it's not as romantic. I remember sitting there on a Sunday night and staring at the screen and hitting publish and it, it published and I just stared <laughs> at the screen and I thought that's it (laughs) (laughs) so so i went to bed and then i woke up the next day and i had messages from ireland and you know from the other side of the world i thought oh okay well yeah this is pretty cool so yeah yeah, i guess the the surreal feeling and and actually the best part is people reaching out and saying uh they resonate with the story and and they felt that they could gain something from it so that's actually the best bit about it i never never really set out to be an author or really Mm. set out to write a series of books it was more just the experience but an unexpected uh, benefit has been people reaching out and saying, "You know, thanks for taking the time. It's helped me in my decision making." So yeah, that's that's been amazing. It seems
0: like with everything you've done, you've never really set out to do it.
1: <laughs> I guess I guess I have goals and larger visions yeah. but the the smaller kind of tactical moves or the minutiae's i don't get too hung up about it I, I guess i grab opportunity when it's there i know overall where i'd like to head and bigger visions and things like that but i think it's important not to be staring at your feet too much i think you know, sort of just keep your eyes open and grab the opportunities when they're there and as long as it's sort of taking the direction you want to go or at least not taking the direction you don't want to go i think that's really important
0: no that's really good advice and So we've reached our time, Aaron. really appreciate you coming in today and sharing your story. And for those that want to meet Aaron, you'll be able to meet him at our upcoming Career Cafe on April 5th. But, Aaron, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Josh. Cheers. Thank you for downloading today's podcast. Did you know that UWA has alumni networks in Perth, Albany, Canberra, New York, United Kingdom, Hong Kong, Malaysia, and Singapore? You can become an active alumni member and stay connected to your UWA community by visiting the alumni website today.